Uh, but it's morning for us, so good morning to you. This is the Lanky Guys. We are the word, well, this is the word on the hill. We are the Lanky Guys. We like being on a hill. I, you know, that's, it's okay. I'm not trying to make too, you don't want to connect the dots too much because the analogies break down. But, you know, this is what the apostles are kind of like. There's Jesus and he's leaving us now. And we have to kind of figure out what to do while he's not here physically present anymore. It's not the same thing as our graduating seniors, but it's this human experience of like, okay, what do we do now? And God gives you the grace to move and do stuff. So that's my little intro into the ascension of the Lord. Oh yeah, we got to say the readings. Okay, Acts one one do it one 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 one. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm forty seven, verses two to three, six to seven, and eight to nine. But regardless, I think most people will hear option one. That's right. And so, safe. so then we go into uh, our yes. gospel. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. We're finally out of John for a little while. That's uh, good, man. <laughs> I do love you not, not like John? Dude, I, I do John's like John. John's your favorite. John's your boy. No, dude, Mark's my boy. Mark's your boy? Yeah. John's your boy. Yeah, but you're more John-ish. Dude, more Johannian in personality. Everybody says that, man. But John, just like, he's super lofty, man. He like he says stuff twice and like I mean I don't mean to diss no I mean it's beautiful, but everybody's favorite is John. I can't be everybody's. I'm a He's contrarian. Not He's not my favorite. Who's your favorite? Probably Matthew. Okay, if I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna say Luke is my favorite. I've dude. always said it's Mark, but I can't I can't say it's Mark because you literally just said that. Okay, the reason. So if all wh- things were being equal, my favorite's Mark. Okay, all things being equal, my favorite's Luke because Luke is Luke gets the short end of the stick. It, he does, in my opinion, but he has the most unique out of out of the synoptics. He has the most unique stories. He does. He else, but you know why? Why? Because he wasn't. You remember, he wasn't an apostle, right? He hung out with Paul for a long time. But I also think that Luke, in particular, sat at the feet of Mary. Mary. So you get it from not just Paul's point of view, but Mary's point of view, right? Which is why you get all of the infancy narratives and the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Magnificat, you know, all of this stuff, because he's getting it straight from Mary. Right, because so he's it gives living him a in Ephesus. Flavor. Yeah. So I can see why you would love that. Yeah. And I like people whose name are Luke as well. Do you? Yeah. How many do you know? I mean, I can the, only think of one. Yeah, me, that's me too. I think it's different Lukes, I bet. Who's your Luke? Luke, the Luke uh, Hicks. Oh, Luke Hicks. Yes. I can think of two. Okay. I'm sorry. My mind went to Luke Weedle. Oh, I so like shout Luke out Weedle. To all the Lukes we know. There, I know too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's uh, see. Acts chapter one. After chapter one. So this is literally the first line, the first words, and the first lines of the of the Acts of the Apostles. Speaking of Luke, who is of course the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. I'm sorry. My al- I'm not sick, but my allergies are like exploding. Me, so I apologize too. to all of you having to listen to my my phlegmy voice. Yeah, I'm sorry too. Thanks, man. Thanks for pointing it out. Now I'm all I'm going to hear is the phlegm. <laughs> all phlegm all the time. Uh, in the first, uh, what was I just saying? Oh, so Acts of the Apostles is, of course, volume two of Luke's two-volume set, right? Of right. Jesus and Friends, volume two. Exactly. It's like the two towers. It's sort of like... <laughs> just it? kidding. That's okay, like... no, it's not. I didn't read the two towers. <laughs> did Don't you look read... at me like that. Did you look at I'm still Lord a Catholic. You oh are, gosh. oh my gosh. That's like the greatest work of Catholic yeah, fiction that yeah, has okay. ever been. Yeah, I've been hearing this argument for years. This, it makes me not want to read it when people do that. Like, Dude, oh, you're a terrible Catholic unless you've read the two towers. Hey, I'm sure it's awesome. 
guess what? And I'm going to get all the angry email. I'm going to have to edit this out because I don't, I don't have time for that email. Okay. Okay. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And he met with them and he enjoined them not to depart for Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father about which you have heard me speak. Um, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to the actual ascension. But I, I started by reading that because that's Luke's version of last time on Friends or whatever, right? <laughs> he gave you the quick recap. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He Absolutely. It's like the beginning of a 24 episode. It is, though. But don't burr, you burr, love that, that burr, he actually burr. accounts for that? Oh yeah, he's like last time you, and he, he gives you the gist of how the last how the gospel ended, and also a little bit more information. Yeah, and the heart of the matter is, um, well, how do I want to present this? Because I, I see there's a particular theme for all of these readings that's sticking out in my head, mm. which might not be the one that's sticking out in your head. My, mine has a particular uh, familial connection, and oh. I think it's important because actually, so I, I'm thinking about confirmation. In all of these, which is one of the oh, least cool. understood of the sacraments, I think. Absolutely, it because is. Because we have, you know, I I certainly at one point thought it was just like the Catholic version of a bar mitzvah, right? It's right. the kind of coming of age. I'm confirming my faith. This is me making a decision, none of which it actually is. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a coming alive of the Holy Spirit unto strength in a new way. And I just point this out because I know a lot of kids are probably being confirmed, maybe even this weekend. My daughter was confirmed two weekends ago. Yeah. And and I think all of these readings, at least to me, this is actually one of the things I'm hearing in all of them. Right. Um, because it's connected exactly. I mean, it's obviously connected to Pentecost, which is next week, right? Yes. But we get all of the setup for it here. So, I mean, what's going on here? I mean, we have the Ascension. We can talk about the Ascension. But but it's it's fascinating if you just think about what's going on here. Jesus has chosen the apostles, right? right? He breathed his Holy Spirit upon them. He, they've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Last Supper, he washed the feet. Like, they are sealed. They, they, they've gotten all the stuff, right? Right. But they don't get any of it. And it's totally untapped. And they're just like, what are you saying? We're going to go sit in Jerusalem and lock the doors, and we're just going to hang out. And then they watch him, like, shoot off into heaven like a rocket. Bah. And they're like, what? But you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, we ha they have everything. And you're reading the story. And if you don't have the Catholic perspective on this, I, I do right. wonder how you make sense of it. Right. Because they've, yeah, been breathed on by Jesus. They've been given the Holy Spirit. They've got all the stuff. But now they're like, what do we do? Um, and that's really what confirmation is. It's all of the stuff that God gave us at baptism being tapped into and brought alive in this new dynamic way. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, there's some, like, aren't, don't kids when they hit puberty, like, have, like, a, like, a pituitary gland? Isn't it like that it, like, releases something and then all of a sudden everything starts to activate and they come into full maturity? Yes, I mean, I think in, so. In, in, a, in my, it, in so, my limited memory of puberty, yeah. So, like, I think that, um, but it's all there. I see what you're saying, though. It's all the stuff. It's all there. It's all there. It just kind of needs to be activated in this new way. It's not like you, you know, your baby teeth are gone. Yeah, and you, you kind of have those other teeth, but your your head's gonna grow bigger. And, <laughs> and is that true? Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on, dude. Just think about any twelve year old you know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. They don't have big heads. No, but you know what I'm saying. It's Evelyn like Evelyn has a big head. Evelyn does have a God big bless head. that head, though. Oh my goodness! But that's that. actually kind of what Jesus is even saying as he's about to ascend into heaven. He he gives them basically the itinerary for what's going to happen once this Holy Spirit does get activated. He's like, "You're going to go. You're going to be my witnesses, which means martyrs, my martyria." 
in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And he's saying all the things that they're going to do. And I wonder what's happening yes. in their heads at that point of like, how are we going to do? Like, where are we supposed to go again? Like, what? Uh, huh? And then as he's saying it, he shoots up into heaven. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, wait, you, you just told us all of this stuff. And I don't, and, and actually, I think it, I, I'm having a hard time saying all this without tying it back to the gospel, yeah. which is where Jesus gives a lot more stuff where you're like, what are we going to do? Yeah. But it's because they haven't, the, uh, at my daughter's confirmation two weeks ago, Father Michael Carvel, who's at it in Nativity, he gave a phenomenal homily. And it's third graders that are being confirmed here. And yeah. I think there were some high school kids too. It was, we're still transitioning in our diocese, but he gave the best homily. And he, uh, and it was perfect for the crowd and the audience and the kids. But it was about the movie The Incredibles, if you saw that. Yeah. Which is about this family, right, who has these superpowers that have basically been lying dormant in them. And it's the movie, the movie's all about how they have to figure out how to use these superpowers that they already have. Wow. And they're clumsy and it's kind of weird and they're, you know, just trying to figure this out. But it was such a great analogy. Wow. And again, forget, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, it was such a great analogy, again, for kids to be like, oh, yeah, no, that, I'm always looking for good analogies and things I can steal from people. Yeah. But I'm like, that's it. That's exactly it. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. He's like, you have superpowers and you're going to do all of these things, but you don't understand how to use it yet. You will when the Holy Spirit comes, he says. Right. But you don't yet. And and this is actually the, the beautiful part about what the ascension is, is like Jesus ascends to heaven. Where does that come from? It comes from a relationship. It actually comes from the fact that Jesus Christ, at the core of his being, hmm. is um, has now uh, adopted our humanity. So like you, you can look at the angels and the angels. What are the angels? They are all their own specific species. Yes. So, so we can say angel, but what we mean by angels, we mean... A whole, um, a whole genus of creatures. Is that right? Is it, yeah, genus, species. G- uh, a gen- a genus, family, phylum, kingdom, species. Oh, I can't remember my taxonomy, but, but, but basically, <laughs> it's like it's like just as uh, I mean, we're a species, human species, right? Um, whereas each angel, in and of themselves, is a species. Yeah. So they all love God and they're adoring Him. But Jesus takes on uh, our species. We, in some ways actually exist as a single entity. That's right. Because we are all humans. And so in a certain sense, yeah. I mean, you're not human by that Come on, comment, man. Punk. That's not what Come I, on. I, I meant oh, I didn't I'm mean only we're human, human in a certain sense. All. Oh, I'm only sake. human after all. Um uh so don't put your blame on me. You're, you're out of control this morning. I am out of control, but this is what happens: is that um, Jesus introduces our humanity into the divine Godhead. That's actually yes. what the ascension is: is yes. he's he he's takes returning our humanity back up a, to heaven, a back up into the heart of the Father, it, 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 by binding Himself to our humanity and introduces us into the divine Godhead. Is it, I mean, like this is insane stuff. This is the this is like this is like the completion of every mystery that exists. This is this is like the summit of our of our faith. I mean, now the outpouring of the spirit is this beautiful, practical reality. Yeah, um, but it's a, it's the fruit of this, right? In a certain, I mean, it doesn't make sense without this moment, which is what are we seven weeks into Easter? We forget by this, but I think most Catholics have forgotten at this point that the story of salvation isn't isn't over yet. What until Jesus ascends? I mean, uh, you, I'm just oh, joking. Okay. <laughs> well, I was playing the Catholic that forgot. But, but you know, we talk about the passion, the death, the resurrection, and right. then we stop. We're like, and the ascension, you have to have the ascension. Is it St. Irenaeus? It's, it's essential. Ah. Uh-huh. 
But what is he doing then as he as- when he ascends? Why does he ascend? He ascends to take our humanity to heaven, to, to give us – is it St. Irenaeus? He's like he became – the God became human so that humans could be like God. Become God. He would. He, actually, he did actually did say, yeah, go as said, far to say that. Yeah, yeah. He said, we would call it divinization. It's not Irene, Irenaeus though, is it? I can't remember it who said matter. it. Well, it does matter, but I, I forget. Um, but what is he doing when he goes to heaven? He's taking our humanity, but like on a practical level. He gets he, there, he puts a suitcase down, and he does what? He says, hi, Dad. And then he does what? Gives him a hug. No, and then he does what? Sends the spirit. No, but you're just, no. What does he literally do? He, he shoots into metaphor, the heaven. And then, when he gets there. Takes his seat at the throne of the right hand of God. It. It's So it's not just his ascension. It's not just the process of going up there. It's the enthronement. Right. Because when he gets there, it, I don't know if he hugged his, you know. Probably, anyway, <laughs> but, but. But it's more. I mean, that's a really big hug. That's a that's a question that's a for the hug. theologians. Can you actually hug God the Father because He is incorporeal? Does the Godhead hug? Does the Godhead hug? <laughs> that's another. That's my next and, dissertation. And <laughs> but it's uh, this is our segue because, of course, this is the responsorial psalm. Yes, because it follow, follows. Log- this is the logical following. God mounts His throne to shouts of joy, blares of trumpet to the Lord, A and what's our response? Of trumpets for the Lord. Well done. Yeah. And what's our response? Well, it's the first strophe, right? All you peoples, clap your hands, shout to God with cries of gladness, for the Lord the yeah! Most High is awesome. <laughs> what are the apostles yeah! not doing when he's ascending? You, you're on the time frame, man. I know. I'm trying to keep this this train I, on the track. I, I, hey, man, I'm with you. What are they, what, they're just they're not clapping and doing shouts of joy at all. They're right. just their their mouths are hanging open while they're looking up like a rocket just shot. And this is the juxtaposition, right? Here's the proper response: all people clapping their hands, shouting to God. They're not doing that. Why not? Because they don't get nothing. They don't. I mean, because they're they're be, they're like beleaguered, right. bewildered. Yeah, because they haven't gotten the Holy Spirit. Bemoaned. They they do have the Holy Spirit. So that's not the right way to put it. It's not proper to say they haven't received the Holy. This is the this is kind of the misunderstanding Dude, of Pentecost. It's right? like DNA and RNA. Okay. So you need like so what happens is that you need your DNA to unfold. So you need actually things to be able to. I think RNA. How oh gosh, nobody. I'm going to stop this analogy because it's all of the, the best. Yeah, this is the thing is that <laughs> you need somehow to actually unfold the DNA and have it activate within your life. Like, There's a couple of biology teachers with raised eyebrows. And they're they're like, oh, father, you need radios. to go back with your RNA <laughs> up in here, man, and you get you get your <laughs> PhD before you come back and try to talk to me. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Um. What now? That's it. That's done. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that that's the thing that with the with Pentecost. Sometimes we see Pentecost as this is the moment that the church receives the Holy Spirit, right? Which is not true, because Jesus breathed on them at the Last Supper and literally said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." That's already happened. Pentecost is something different. It's right. the Holy Spirit being activated in a new way. And again, I don't mean to keep dwelling on this, but it is this such a misunderstanding. Yet, I know, I know. But it is such a misunderstanding of all of Christendom, if uh, Catholicism in particular, because we actually talk about confirmation, but we don't understand it. Right. And um, I think that it's appropriate to talk about this week as opposed to next week. We'll talk about next week too. But this week poses the problem. And so it's almost like the narrative structure of these readings this week are meant to create a question mark in your head of, mm. wait a second, this is what Jesus says is going to happen, but why isn't it happening yet? Like he predicts all these things. He foretells all of these things yeah. that have not taken place quite yet. 
And I think these readings are almost meant to kind of make us want and hunger and thirst a little bit for what's coming next week. Mm. So I think it's an interesting setup for Pentecost. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So that's why I kind of dwell on this now, which seems strange. But it'll all come to a head in a second. Okay, Ephesians. Um, the first option I like. What here's? We're just gonna go with the first option. Don't oh yeah, talk about sure. anything else. I'm not. But the first thing, the, the only thing I want to say about this. First things first. Well, um, the, Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, um, after kind of his normal hello, goodbye, his greetings, his the formalities. Yeah. He launches into this long prayer, blessing, berakah, that he prays that um, scholars hate the book of secular scholars hate the book of Ephesians. Because nobody knows exactly where Paul's opening prayer begins and where the formal letter begins. Or where the for, the prayer ends and the formal letter begins. That sounds like a lot of uh, seminarians that I actually have, a, have conversations with. You're, you're not quite sure where... Where what begins and what ends, man. But it's beautiful because you're, you're, his teaching and his pastoral advice should not be separate from his prayer. And there's this interweaving of all of these things. It's like he's saying them on his knees. And what is he saying? Well, yeah, he's giving this, this blessing to the Ephesians, basically recalling the gifts that they received because of Jesus' ascension and his sending of the Holy Spirit. So may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of him. Your eyes and hearts may yeah. be enlightened that you may know the hope of the things uh, that belongs to us called the riches of glory, the inheritance of the holy ones. And it goes on and on and on. And again, I love on a literary level mm. that you should be reading this thinking, well, the apostles don't have any of those things yet. <laughs> like they're doing the opposite. They're right. staring blankly with, you know, their mouths held open, drool coming out. Like, you're like, wait a second, what's this juxtaposition in the readings? They should, if anyone, have all of this stuff. Right. But they don't yet. Why? Oh, it's because we're not done yet. And that's one of the things the Ascension Sunday is meant to remind us of. We're not done yet. This whole right. narrative isn't done. We're not in ordinary time. We're not in ordinary time yet. But the process I, isn't complete. Actually, we're going to actually hang out in an liminal space between Easter and the full expression, which is which is a training for this time, uh, um, which is the becoming but not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, exactly is, which right. we exist in the in this final age. That's right. Where where we're becoming, but we're not yet. Where yes. we where we've received the fullness of glory, but it, the, but things are not entirely consummated. Yes, even for those of us who have had the gift of the Holy Spirit and confirmation right. activated, it's still layers of this, but not yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is beautiful. Which which is uh, the demand of the gospel. Go into the whole world and announce the good news to this every is, creature and baptize and save folks, man. Like the, you know, it's I, Mark's version of the Great Commission. Yeah, it's it's like uh, the the famous quote from Father Ralph Drendel at the seminary. It says, "What's the purpose of the priesthood?" And it's like, <laughs> I blah, 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 and he's he's like, "To save souls, you dummy." <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good Father Drendel, actually. Hey, thanks, man. That's, You've it's been working on that. Yeah, well, it's because my it's early in the morning and uh, allergies are here. Okay, I only have one thing to say about this. Dude, let's do it. Um, so I was teaching at the Denver Catholic Biblical School years ago. Okay. And I remember being in a class. I think it was somewhere in Colorado Springs, maybe. I don't remember. I was teaching in a class, and we were talking about the Gospel of Mark, and we were finishing Mark, and I thought everything was good. And I'm, I'm a brand new teacher. you know, I'm, Everything's pretty new. This is years ago. And somebody raised their hand in the back. Uh-oh. And they were like, hey, Scott, I was reading Mark last night, and I read the ending, and it said that this line, these signs will accompany all those who believe. Right. In my name, they will drive out demons and speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then she just kind of paused and looked at me. 
She's like, Jesus said these will accompany the believers. And I've never seen anything like that. Was Jesus lying? I was like, oh. She's like, how come I don't see people laying hands on sick or picking up serpents or speaking languages? And it was, it, and you know, I'm, I gave whatever answer. Like, blah, blah, blah. God works in different ways, blah, blah, blah. But it, it caused me to reflect on it for months and weeks and even years afterwards. And the conclusion I came to, and I mean, I don't know what anybody else's answer to this would be. And I don't know. I mean, needs change. We don't have as much need for picking up serpents and not being harmed by them. Maybe there was need in the first century for that. I don't know. We still have plenty of sick people. We still have plenty of <laughs> demons at work in our world, right? Mm-hmm. We have all this stuff. And I started thinking to myself, this is this is when I started to understand and and. Um, be taught what the new evangelization was. That term that we throw around a lot as Catholics, the new evangelization. Yep. Um, and I remember in a grad school class, Ted Shree actually asked us the question, what's new about the new evangelization? We're all like, well, sins and pornography and like all the new ways that we've thought of to sin. He didn't sin. say nude evangelization. No, new. Okay. New evangelization. Um, but he's like, look, sin is sin. We have new ways of doing sin, but the, the message of the gospel is, is eternal. Like that's not new. And we, we unpacked it. And the more I studied, apparently it was Paul the sixth that actually came up with this term. John Paul the second was the one who popularized it. But the concept is, um, what's new about the new evangelization is not that the world doesn't need to hear the gospel like they always did. The world always needed to hear the gospel. There's right. always sin that needs to be defeated and, and, and repented of. What's new about the new evangelization is that for the first time in history, starting, you know, when Paul VI said this, probably before that, we have hundreds of th- mil- probably millions of people who have been baptized and confirmed, which means they've been sealed and given the gift of strength of the Holy Spirit and have no clue whatsoever that that has taken place. And it was this question of what do you think the world would be like if half of the Catholics in the world knew the sheer strength of the gifts that they've been given and have access to? We're all like the Incredibles, that we have access to these superpowers, Mm -hmm. and no one has any clue that that's happened to us. Right. Half of the Catholics in the world who had any clue that we have basically Holy Spirit superpowers. I wonder if we'd begin to see more things at work in the world that we're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. There's stuff going on. But as it is, we have these untapped reservoirs of grace walking around in our lives. This is why I love... Uh, groups like Focus and you know the ministries that that we see you know community liberation and yeah but but Focus and all of these things but I remember in my Focus days going around and ministering to college students and I rem- I love finding out the ones that were baptized or confirmed or both right and how actually remarkably easy it was to just kind of tap into them and be like do you realize what this is and they're like I didn't but I do now right and, then and it was almost like shooting ducks out. in a barrel yeah it was just like. I didn't realize how easy, it's not easy, it's hard work, but I was always shocked at how relatively simple it was for someone who has an untapped reservoir of grace to be like, hey, do you realize what's inside of you? And they were like, oh, yes, let's go. And, and then you see him go to confession after having not gone since right before they were confirmed. Right. And now all of a sudden they go to confession and they are like, and they're, they're these apostles up. set out out into the world. Right. Like, because this is the thing is I've seen all of these things, drinking deadly things. We drink Red Bull every week. <laughs> And we're not harmed. (laughs) I know, that's funny. Ah. (laughs) But I mean, like... Are we harmed, though? I mean, this is... uh, You ask any homeschool mom, and they probably will say, yes, we are harmed. I don't think you have to be a homeschool mom to tap into that. I just like saying homeschool moms, because that makes me smile. Oh. 
because they're my some of my very favorites. That's true. But like that, that, no, that's exactly it. I love campus ministry and what we do of just watching them activate. It's like it's mm. like realizing like, dude, you mean I've been carrying around this yeah. forever yeah, the, yeah. A, a, in this earthen vessel, and now it's yes. like activated because it happened to me. It happened to you. Yeah, that's and we're totally like, true. and we're like, what? oh my gosh, hold on, and then it just activates and you go. Yeah, which is that's what Jesus is getting at. Yes. It's like that's what's supposed to happen. So And that's why Paul the Sixth and John Paul the Second and Ratzinger and now Pope Francis are all like, guys, this is a huge deal. Like we need right. to evangelize everybody who has never heard of this. Yep. But if we just started with the people who did, then then we've really got something going. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And, happy Mother's Day. And Ascension, uh an Ascension uh Thursday for Sunday. Um, the, and and yes. the, the, the novena goes between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost. Pentecost. And so in a certain sense, we're all in a novena right now, specifically asking for God to activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in those whom it's been given to them and they do not yet know that they possess this gift. That's right. That's absolutely so right. may it unfold like RNA and DNA. May it uh, unfold like the Invincibles. Pituitary glands. Pituitary glands. May you have all the metaphors of activation. 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 I don't even know what that is, man. It's, it's good. like, it's all like good. no, no, dude. It's like it's like acting, adding um, uh, hardener to resin for epoxy, dude, and then then it just sticks. Come on, this any two part thing, man. Just like Absolutely. come up with your analogies, your metaphors, your synecdoches, <laughs> your metimonies, dude. Like make it happen your this similes. week with your stuff. Absolutely. And we, then uh, <laughs> shoot your prayers up to heaven like Jesus. Yeah. And launch rockets. Always launch rockets. Always launch rockets on Ascension Sunday. Okay. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at lankyguys.org. You can also find the Aquinas Institute at thomascenter.org slash AICT. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time.